Welcome to 15 Minute Freelancer, your snack-sized guide to being your own boss and building a business and life you love. I'm your host, Louise Shanahan. My LinkedIn bio says I'm a freelance health copywriter, but for the next 15 minutes, I'll be tickling your ears with practical strategies, behind-the-scenes stories and nuggets of wisdom so you can create a freelance business that works for you. Whether you're just starting out or you've been self-employed for a while, I'll be right here with you to help you navigate the ups and downs of freelancing life. So grab a coffee, relax, and join me for 15 minutes of freelancing fun. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Hello, freelance fam. Louise here. Today, I am joined by another very special guest. I've had a lot of requests to do an episode on cold pitching, but that's not something that I do a whole lot of myself. So I didn't really feel like I could talk with any kind of real expertise about that. So I was keen to get an expert on to share some tips. And I'm very excited to have the cold pitch queen herself, Brie Weber here. Hi, Brie. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Louise. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited for this conversation because, as I mentioned before we started recording, I have about a million questions about how to do cold pitching in a way that feels good and actually works. So I hope we'll be able to squeeze them into 15 minutes, but we may need to make this a special extended version. (laughs) So maybe we could start with hearing a bit about your cold pitching journey. How did you figure it all out? Yeah, so I definitely started with, I think, the way most of us do, which is just going to the internet and looking for like, how do I start cold pitching and trying to find templates. Uh, And I often got really frustrated that that didn't particularly work for me. Um, But things sort of really kicked up a notch in 2020 when the pandemic hit, because I was one of those people who lost all of their clients. Mm. And so I really needed to kind of put my gut into prospecting and try as much as I could to find new clients. And so I sort of treated it as an opportunity to find more aligned clients and projects that I was more excited about. And so I went back to what I knew about cold pitching and I decided, what if I tried this a different way? What if I didn't make this about pitching as many people as possible and waiting for one person to hopefully say yes? But what if I tried to approach it of trying to start one conversation with one person and kind of take it from there? And the result was in incredibly effective. I replaced all of my clients within a month. I hit my first 10k financial goal in that same month. And since then, I really just integrated cold pitching into my prospecting process. That's amazing. It's so inspiring to hear how you managed to turn things around in those early days of the pandemic. It's maybe worth just mentioning here that you're a copywriter, aren't you? Just so that people know. (laughs) I am, yes. So I think that's really interesting that you talk about just trying to start a conversation with one person. I always had the idea that cold pitching is kind of a numbers game. You know, if you send 100 pitches, at least one or two are bound to work out. And I think that maybe helps some people because it sort of takes the pressure off and you think, okay, yeah, surely one or two will work out. But do you think that's the right approach or do you think it's better to be a bit more discerning about it? Well, I tend to see that approach, that sort of numbers game is more of um, traditional cold pitching. But for freelancers, especially when we are providing a service and developing relationships with our clients, I really think about ethical cold pitching, which is the framework that I teach in a lot of my programs, which is definitely not a numbers game. So those pitches, instead of being something templated that you can copy and paste and send out to, you know, 100 folks, for example, you would write that one individual pitch for that one individual person or company that you're really, really keen to work on. 
part of that approach means you're very selective and discerning about who you are going to pitch, which means you have a really great opportunity to very intentionally choose your client roster, choose who you want to work with. So for me, it really encouraged me to go after my wishlist clients. So those who are in the copywriting space will recognize some of these names, but by taking this approach, I was able to work with people like Joanna Weeb from Copy Hackers and Peplaya from CXL. I don't think I would have done that without ethical cold pitching, or at least not in the same time frame, because I would have been waiting for them to notice me and come and find me and invite me to do a project with them. Yeah, because I think we're often told that attracting freelance clients is about using inbound marketing and, you know, publishing blog posts and all that kind of thing so that the right clients find you. So you're kind of flipping that around. And I think the ethical framework is probably appealing to those of us who don't want to be seen as too pushy or salesy or maybe feel a bit uncomfortable with Mm self-promotion. So it sounds like from what you're saying that cold pitching really does work if anyone was in any doubt. (laughs) Yeah. So to share a little bit of like some of the stats, I currently have a 100% open rate and a 100% response rate, which is pretty atypical. That's amazing. (laughs) And my students who have taken this framework and applied it in their own businesses and both copywriters and other types of freelancers see about a 75% response rate. So it's pretty consistently higher than traditional cold pitching. I have about a 60% conversion rate on my cold pitches. And the average that I see with my clients is about 50% or with students who have have taken this framework for themselves as well. I think not only does it feel good because you're coming from a really thoughtful, intentional and really compassionate place with each pitch, but I have found that it's actually more effective for freelancers than traditional cold pitching. Mm. Um, Ethical cold pitching actually is about building relationships. Each pitch is really just about starting a conversation. And that's really what we're doing when a referral comes our way or inquiry comes our way. We start a conversation and then we move forward towards potentially exploring a project. Yeah, so it's really about us initiating those conversations with the clients that we would really like to work with. Have you got any suggestions for how we might go about coming up with that wish list of ideal clients and what kind of approach you should be taking to start that conversation? Sure. So one of the ways that I got started, because I really struggled with figuring out like, who do I want to pitch initially, especially if I get to be this selective and discerning. And that was particularly challenging because I didn't really have a defined niche at that time. The first thing that I did is I went into my inbox to look at the companies that I subscribe to their emails about, the tools that I'm using, the brands that I just really love hearing from, going on my social media to see who do I follow, who am I impressed by, who to admire, who do I respect, and starting to build a list of names, not necessarily of people I know I'm going to pitch, but just people and brands and companies that I feel drawn to, probably because I think what they're doing is great or there's some sort of value match for me. And then using that to look for themes and patterns and try to find some overlap. And that's what really helped me identify, okay, I really like working with a certain type of course creator, or I'm really interested in the idea of working with really scrappy, disruptive startups in the SaaS space, right? So you can start to find some themes and then you can kind of use that as a hypothesis with your pitches to test out is this the type of client that I want to work with and uh, use that to kind of get some insight as to how you can 
expand that list, right? And find similar companies, similar brands, and be really selective from that giant list that you have of like, well, who do I want to work with right now? And what kind of project do I want to work on right now? Yeah, so you can really dream big, can't you? And then obviously these people get a lot of pitches, don't they? So how do you make sure you stand out and you don't come across as spammy? Yes, the the really core idea behind the method that I share is you're pitching a problem, not your words. So instead of a pitch that is explaining how great you are or why other clients have loved you or touting specific stats or even dropping, you know, fancy client names, because we don't all have those, especially if we're just getting started. And so instead of trying to kind of prove your worth in an email, which is what I felt traditional cold pitching was really focused on, ethical cold pitching is about pitching a problem. And then the follow-up to that, so basically kind of step two, would be to actually include the solution. Mm-hmm. And what can be a little bit tricky about this part of the process is as freelancers, we are not the solution. The solution that we're bringing to the table is the project, the work that we would do. And so part of that process, I think, helps to take the onus off of the recipient of a pitch to match your skills, match your abilities, match your past experience with a specific need that they already have or they've already identified. So being able to come to the table with, here's that problem I've identified for you, we can really direct their attention to a problem, and then we're starting a conversation around a solution. And so the third tip is, When you're wrapping up that pitch, include a really small call to action. I often talk about something called a minimum viable ask, which is essentially how can we think of the smallest uh, effort that our recipient can make to provide us um, indication that they are interested in participating in the conversation. So for most freelancers, that won't be asking for a phone call or booking a time in your calendar or even linking them to your portfolio. It'll actually be something that requires less of your recipient it just still signals their interest in participating in this conversation with you Mm, that's so smart so helpful so what might be an example of a minimum viable ask then so my favorite call to action and i'll preface this by saying you have to find what works for you and for your audience (laughs) but what works really well for me because i enjoy it is loom videos So after I have crafted a pitch that I feel really strongly about, I'll generally indicate in some way, like I know getting on a call is really tricky. Your calendar is full. So I acknowledge that first and foremost. And then I invite them to tell me about what's resonating in my pitch. If it is, Mm. that helps me get a little bit more information about why this pitch might be the right problem for them to solve right now. And then I will generally indicate that I'll share some more information in a Loom video. And that gives them the opportunity to see my face, see that I'm a real person, see a little bit of my personality. And in that Loom video that I promise them when they respond, I will generally walk them through a little bit more detail of what the solution looks like. A lot of times, even when I get a positive reply, the answer isn't yes, send me a Loom video. It's no, let's just hop on a call. I think because we're making that minimum viable ask, it removes the risk factor of participating in the conversation. We're just making it really easy to reply. Yeah, I guess they're thinking, well, if I'm going to watch the Loom video, I may as well just chat to you. (laughs) Yes, exactly. 
So am I right in thinking that you don't usually include a sample or a portfolio in your cold pitches? It's literally the email itself that is your sample. Absolutely. So when I first got started, I didn't have samples. I didn't really have a portfolio. I didn't have fancy stats or results. And so that was really kind of the drive behind me trying to figure out, well, what's a different way to approach this, right? Um, If you have all of those things, great traditional cold pitching might be a really good style fit. But if you don't, or if you don't feel like you can rely on them, what else can you do? And so I think part of the approach of pitching a problem and a solution gives us the opportunity as freelancers to showcase how we approach problems and how we solve them, which is really what we're being hired for. And as a copywriter, a pitch is obviously a really great way for me to provide example of me writing persuasive copy, right? But even if you're not a copywriter, other types of freelancers, I think just showing how you think through problems is evidence in and of itself of how you would show up and work with them. And so they're getting a little bit of a taster in that pitch in and of itself, which is why I think it can be effective without samples and without a portfolio. Yeah, I think that's really useful and reassuring way of reframing it for people who are maybe in the early stages of business and don't have the samples to share with people. Or if you're thinking of pivoting into a different industry and you don't have the most relevant samples. And again, there might be reasons why you you have the samples and you don't want to share them. So let's say you've made your wish list, you've sent out your pitches with your problem and the solution and the minimum viable ask for the potential client. What happens next? You mentioned that you'd had a 100% response rate. So I don't know if you can answer this question, but what happens if you don't get a reply? Do you think it's a good idea for people to follow up? When should they do that? How often? When do you kind of Uh, give up, I suppose. (laughs) Yes, I get this question so often, and I am a big believer in following up. Um, Oftentimes, the reasons that we don't is because of the mindset piece. We haven't dove into quite that much in this conversation, but it's a really big component Mm -hmm. of, I think, why we get stuck or we don't take action on cold pitching, even when we can recognize that it would be really valuable or at least something worth trying. And in the stage where we have sent a pitch that often feels like a vulnerable act, Mm. you know, we're just hearing crickets, we can create a lot of stories about why someone didn't reply. But the truth is that we don't know why. Maybe they're on vacation and they forgot to set their um, autoresponder, or maybe they're super busy and they just haven't gotten to it yet. Or maybe they've read it 17 times and they're just trying to figure out, do I want to jump on a call? So there's so many different reasons that somebody maybe didn't reply and we don't know what they are. So I'm a huge fan of following up. I tend to send my initial follow-up within three to ideally seven days. I wouldn't go more than 10 days personally. And sometimes I'm popping it to the top of their inbox. Sometimes I'm referencing back what I've talked about in the pitch and indicating why it's something to explore a little bit further. And in the cases where there might be very natural urgency, I'll follow up to indicate the opportunity to move forward on this. You know, is this something that you're interested in? In terms of how how many follow-ups do you send? At what point do you just say, this isn't working and and move on, I think is a little bit variable depending on your interest in that particular client. Like ideal outcome is we walk away with a new client and a new project, but at the very minimum, we're looking to build a relationship. I typically will send two to three follow-ups within three 
to four weeks just to indicate like I'm interested in building a relationship with this person. That foundation of that relationship is not dependent on doing this particular project together. It's just about having a conversation and being willing to connect. Absolutely. Just because they don't see an opportunity to work with you at this moment doesn't mean they won't come back in future or refer you on to someone else that they know who may be looking for someone that does what you do. The most common reply that either I or any of my students have received, whether it's a yes or a no, is thank you. Like people can really feel that this is not a typical pitch. Mm, I'm scribbling notes now. <laughs> yeah, and we can put ourselves in their shoes, can't we? Because as small business owners, we're often on the receiving end of pitches and we know the ones that we like and we know the ones that maybe don't make us feel so special that have obviously been sent to lots of people. So yes. on that, what are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes that you see people making when they are pitching new clients? Yes. So I think the number one mistake that I see people making, whether it's traditional cold pitching or ethical cold pitching, is just that they're going straight for the ask. They're trying to close the sale in one email and generally doesn't happen in one touch point. We can think about it the same way as when you get an inquiry in or a referral in. You might have a little back and forth over email. You might have a call, maybe a couple of calls. Maybe there's a proposal in the process, right? It tends to happen or sort of unfold over multiple touch points. So we're just flipping the script a little bit and we are the ones starting the conversation. But we're ultimately going to go through that same sales system that you have set up for anyone who comes in as a lead. That's so helpful. Thank you so much, Brie. There's just so much in there. I know people are going to want to save this one and go back and listen again. And I can't wait to go and start pitching my own wishlist clients now. Yay. Oh, I'm excited. I can't wait to hear how it goes for you. (laughs) (laughs) So if people want to find out more about your work and ethical cold pitching, where can they go? So I have a cold pitch masterclass, which walks you through the step-by-step process of figuring out who to pitch, figuring out what to pitch, doing the research that goes into that process, and then actually writing the pitch and really optimizing it with subject lines and calls to action and all of those points where we get a little bit stuck. Um, Along with some of my own examples of pitches where I effectively tear them down and walk you through exactly what I'm doing, why it's um, effective, what's not so effective, and what I would do differently in the future. So all of that is inside the Cold Pitch Masterclass, which is normally 97. But for those who are listening, if you want to explore this a little bit deeper, you can grab it at a special rate of $37. You go to a special link, which is coldpitchcopy.com slash Louise. Nice. Okay, we'll put that link in the show notes. So that will be everyone's weekend homework. Thank you very much. (laughs) Um, So yeah, thank you, Brie. It was so lovely to chat to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun. And I'm so stoked to hear about how this um, method works out for you as well. Thank you. I will keep you posted. Yes. Okay, that's us for this week. I will be back next week. See you then. You've been listening to 15 Minute Freelancer with me, Louise Shanahan, freelance health copywriter and content marketer at thecopyprescription.com. If you enjoyed this, please hit subscribe, leave a review or share it with a freelance friend. And if you've got a freelancing question you want answered on the podcast, find me and say hi on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram. Thanks and until next time, happy freelancing!